1: up the sword of Christian theology and the shield of classic apologetics, this is the Bill of Poor Christie podcast, and this is your host for the next 30 minutes as we seek to take Christian truth into the arena of ideas, yours truly, Brian Chilton, and we thank you for joining us today on our podcast. Uh, we are completely live today here at a new time slot at 5 o'clock p.m. Eastern Time. Uh, if you'd like to call in, of course, you'll need to do so on the live show. And our number is uh, 323-784-9617. Once again, that's 323-784-9617. And we'll talk about um, things that matter. And so uh, the issues that really truly matter in life uh, concerning uh, the issues of theology and uh, classic apologetics. And uh, speaking of classic apologetics, if you're wondering what that means... Uh, it just simply means that uh, that, that uh, I believe I'm an evidentialist. I believe that the uh, the Bible can be demonstrated not only through the words found in Scripture, but due to the evidence uh, for uh, God and for Christ. And uh, that's actually going to lead us somewhat into the main topic today of our podcast uh, about a um, issue going on between two uh, Christian leaders. Uh, a lot of times. Uh, Christians will uh, disagree with one another on uh, particular issues. And uh, in this case, I believe often if it can remain civil and it can remain in uh, proper discourse and with respect for one another, then then I think as the, the book of Proverbs states, uh, iron sharpens iron. You know, a lot of times we disagree with, the, uh, with one another. And I like the old Moravian quote uh, that on the essentials we have unity. In differences, we have the liberty to disagree. Uh, but in all things, as Christians, we have charity, which is love. And so um, that is uh, something we have. You know, we're not always going to agree with one another. And the great thing is we don't have to agree with one another all the time. Uh, but I think a lot of times uh, when we have disagreements, we have debates like this, uh, it, it helps sharpen our skills. Uh, this is a lost start, in my opinion. You know, a lot of times we... Uh, We want to pacify one another, and we don't want to talk about these issues uh, often because we're afraid of, uh, uh, you know, afraid of disagreeing. But, you know, mature Christians, mature individuals should be able to disagree with one another and do so in a winsome fashion. And so that's what we're here about. That's what we're here to do here at uh, the Bellator Christie Podcast and also at the website at bellatorchristi.com. Again, we'd love to speak with you uh, if you want to talk about uh, the issue uh, today. Uh, Or maybe you want to talk about something else unrelated. Uh, Just Again, call in, 323-784-9617. Be sure when you call in to press number one to let me know that that you want to speak, that you want to come on the air, and we'll take your calls towards the end of the show. Uh, There are a couple of things I want to talk about. Uh, First and foremost, I definitely want to thank Dr. Gary Yates for a wonderful program last week. If you missed that, you need to go back and catch last week's podcast. Uh, Dr. Yates is a professor of Old Testament at Liberty University. He did a fantastic job last week uh, talking about the message of the 12, his brand new book that is written with uh, Dr. Fuhr, Al Fuhr. And uh, so I encourage you to get a copy of that. That uh, I haven't received my copy yet, uh, but looking forward to getting a copy of that very soon. Uh, hopefully, it will be here before too long. But uh, anyhow, Uh, go check that out. On the website, uh, to correlate with his uh, podcast last week, I have written two articles, hopefully we'll have a third coming up very soon, about uh, these 12 minor prophets. And the 12 minor prophets are not minor in significance by any means, by no means. Uh, They are very important uh, men who spoke the truth of God's Word. In fact, last night I had an opportunity to bring a message to the good people Uh, shared in worship service with the good people at St. Paul United Methodist Church in Hamptonville, North Carolina. Uh, My good buddy Shane and uh, Betty and and, uh, Ronnie and uh, good gracious, the list goes on and on and on and on. Great people over there. Uh, Claudia, wonderful people over there and just uh, really enjoyed my time with them last night. We were talking about, uh, we were speaking from the book of Zechariah. And so, uh, really enjoyed myself. Of course, it's always a homecoming when I'm when I'm over there. Just a good, good group of good, good group of godly Christians, and it's just a joy and privilege to be with them uh, every time I, I get a chance to meet with them. So, uh, be much in prayer for them as their their revival is ongoing. They have uh, another speaker uh, tonight and tomorrow night, and then uh, the uh, director of uh, local Christian ministry. Organization will be there with them Wednesday night, so be much in prayer for them. All right. uh, Also, uh, you know, I'm getting conflicting reports. Uh, Earlier on the podcast, we we had a special podcast on SB uh, 1126 or 1146, I think it was, um, in California, uh, which is the House bill. I think it's 1146, if I'm not mistaken. uh, That uh, is a government attempt in California to restrict the religious liberties of individuals in California especially as it pertains to higher education and this is a uh, very dangerous deal now my understanding was that some of the language was changed but I read a report today that says that uh, that that, uh, it is just as dangerous as it was before and that it passed so I want to before I give an update or report on that. I want to do a little more investigating on that issue, and so I hope to have an update on that issue, perhaps as hopefully as early as next week. So we do want to be much in prayer for our uh, Christian friends in California, and so uh, you know we need to we need to be seriously praying for one another in these times in which we live. All right, we're going to take a quick commercial break, and on the other side of the break, we're going to jump into what has become quite a sticky situation in evangelical Christianity. Uh, is a debate between Andy Stanley and Dr. Al Mohler, and we will get to that right after this commercial break.
2: Southern Evangelical Seminary presents... The Defense Never Rests, with the National Conference on Christian Apologetics, coming to Charlotte, North Carolina, October 13th through 15th, 2016. Come be equipped to defend the faith. This three-day event features over 100 sessions from more than 50 speakers, including many of the world's top Christian thinkers, such as... Lee Strobel, author of many books, including The Case for Christ. Jay Sekulow, chief counsel for the American Center for Law and Justice. SES co-founder, Norman Geisler, and SES president, Richard Lamb. Veteran apologist, Josh McDowell, Frank Turek, J. Warner Wallace, SES professors, and many more. Join us for America's largest and longest-running apologetics conference. Thursday is a dedicated day for women only. Register now and save. It's time to get off the sidelines and get into the game. The Defense Never Rests. To learn more, visit ses.edu. Southern Evangelical Seminary. On campus, online, on mission.
1: And that will be coming up here in a couple of weeks. In fact, uh, let's see, it will be a week from this Friday. That will actually be coming up uh, next, uh, not this Friday and Saturday, but next Friday and Saturday, which will be the 14th and 15th. Special Women's Conference on the 13th. God willing, I plan on being down at the conference myself. Looking forward to it. Uh, I haven't gone to SES, but I have some wonderful friends who have, and uh, great school down there, uh, uh, centered on Christian apologetics. If you want a good uh, education in apologetics, uh, SES is one of the many schools around that offers a uh, great education. Of course, they're in Liberty. Uh, you know, I'm a Liberty grad myself. They offer a great education in apologetics as well as Biola University in California that we've mentioned. So there's some great schools out there uh, to get uh, an education in the realm of apologetics. So we're looking forward to uh, joining our good friends down at SES, down at Calvary Chapel, excuse me, Calvary Church in Charlotte, North Carolina, this upcoming 14th and 15th of October for the National Conference on Christian Apologetics. All right. Two individuals in Christianity have uh, come under quite a bit of a debate uh, in recent days, and uh, let me just say, in full disclosure, that uh, I, although I don't agree all the time with my denomination, I am listed as a Southern Baptist, and one of the individuals. In fact, it may be that both. I'm not sure exact um, about Stanley, but I know that Stanley came from a Southern Baptist church. I'm not. Sure, if his church is affiliated with with the SBS or not, but I know Dr. Al Mohler is. Uh, Dr. Al Mohler is an influential theologian for the Southern Baptist Convention, and uh, he is president of the of the Southern Baptist Theological Seminary in Lexington, Kentucky. Uh, Andy Stanley is senior pastor of North Point Community Church in Atlanta, Georgia. He is the son of the great Dr. Charles Stanley, uh, and he came from First Baptist Church. Uh, in Atlanta, Georgia, and uh, uh, yeah, I got a question uh, that just popped up. Was that California SB eleven forty six? And it, it indeed was SB eleven forty six. Was the one we were talking about? But anyhow, in re- in recent times, Andy, Andy Stanley uh, he has made a, an emphasis on apologetics. And apologetics means uh, it's not that you're apologizing for the faith. It means that you're defending the faith. And um, in one of his messages recently, uh, Andy Stanley, um, uh, and I want to read a a, a synopsis here by Scott McKnight, Dr. Scott McKnight. I think he does a great job. Uh, He says, um, uh, Andy Stanley put the emphasis on the truth of the gospel, not on the records of that truth, which is to say he believes we do not first affirm Scripture in in its totality, but instead, we affirm the truth of Jesus and his resurrection. And he questions the theological priority of saying Jesus loves me because the Bible tells me so. Uh, you know, he seems to, at least to me at least, Scott McKnight writes, to want to say that God loves us, Jesus loves us, and that is why the Bible tells us so. And this is what Andy believes in his own words, and this is a response to Al Mohler. Well, what he basically says is he says something along those lines. And now Albert Moeller has written a uh, an article, uh, you know, elevating the primacy of Scripture. But I want to read uh, Andy Stanley, and a comment that he has posted in his own words. And then we will uh, try to try to catch some of Al Moeller's words before I give my final uh, synopsis of this. And I find myself somewhat in agreement with Dr. Scott McKnight. He says years ago, our organization made several decisions to better position us, and this is Andy Stanley saying this here, to position us to minister to and recapture the attention of post-Christian people. Uh, we adjusted our sales. We cast our nets on the other side. We, you get the picture. And that's and and why wouldn't we? The data Barna and others have collected should cause all of us to stop and rethink what we're doing. Our molar statement should cause our our hearts to skip a beat. As I mentioned earlier, it was about eight years ago that I adjusted my preaching to compensate for an increasingly post-Christian audience. He goes on to say, uh, as part of my shift, I stopped leveraging the authority of Scripture and began leveraging the authority and stories of the Bible behind the Scripture. To be clear, I don't believe the Bible says Scripture teaches and the Word of God commands are incorrect approaches, but they are ineffective approaches for post-Christian people. I don't regret teaching my children that the Bible is God's word, but my grown-up kids understand their confidence in the Bible is rooted in their confidence in who Jesus is, based on the testimonies of Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John. And so you get the the gist of what uh, Stanley is saying. Well, Al Moeller has uh, come back, and he has uh, he has uh, said said some things here that uh, that uh, evangelical Christianity, in Moeller's words, on Al Mohler, you can read this on AlbertMohler dot com. Uh, the article uh, dated September 26, 2016, for the Bible tells me so, biblical authority denied again. He says evangelical Christianity has a big problem, says a- Andy Stanley, and that problem is a reliance on the Bible that is both unwarranted and unhelpful. Okay, And he goes, um, uh, he talks about, he compares Stanley to one liberal, the father of modern theological liberalism, one Friedrich Schleiermacher uh, and. Uh, And in the wake of the Enlightenment, he says, Schleiermacher understood that the intellectual elites in Germany were already turning a skeptical eye to Christianity, if not dismissing it altogether. Okay, and so he says, uh, the Enlightenment worldview was hostile to supernatural claims, suspicious of any claims to absolute truth beyond empirical science, and dismissive of any verbal form of divine revelation. No problem, Schleiermacher responded, Uh, We can still salvage spiritual and moral value out of Christianity while jettisoning its troublesome doctrinal claims, supernatural structure, and depending upon the Bible. He was certain that his strategy would, quote-unquote, save Christianity from irrelevance. His ambition, in other words, he goes on to say, was apologetic at its core to defend Christianity against claims of its eclipse. The form offered by theological liberals is the same now. Save what you can of Christianity by surrendering truth claims, acknowledging the inevitable hostility that these doctrines face in the modern age and readjust the faith accordingly. No theological liberal declares himself the enemy of Christianity. To the contrary, he offers liberalism as the only means of avoiding Christianity's demise in the secular age. So you get the gist of what's going on here. And... um, and he goes on to say, to be to be fair, he says, let's be clear, Andy Stanley does not mean to deny the central claims of Christianity. He affirms the bodily resurrection of Jesus Christ from the dead, but he does so while undercutting their only means of knowing of Christ and his resurrection from the dead, the Bible. Okay, so let's stop there. Let's stop there and take a look. Who's right, Andy Stanley or Al Mohler? Well, in a fair assessment of this, I honestly believe that both of them have areas in which they're right, both of them. And I think what's taking place here is that we have a classic situation of an either-or situation that needs not be. So let's take a look at first at Al Mohler. Uh, I want to take a look at three areas that I believe Al is right. I haven't had a chance to write this up in in you know, the article up, and so I'll try to have that ready for you later this afternoon. But I think there are three areas that he's right, and then there are three areas, to be fair, where I think Stanley's right. So let's take a look first at Moeller. I think Moeller is right about the authority of Scripture as it relates to the Christian's life. Now, like I said, I'm not as prepared for this show, so you'll have to bear with me as I flip through the Scriptures, and I'm reading from the ESV today, um... In Second uh, Timothy three sixteen, let me flip through here and find my spot. Just bear with me for a minute as we flip here. Should be here somewhere. Second Timothy three sixteen. Now understand that when uh, Paul writes this to Timothy, he is he is talking about the uh, Old Testament by implication. But let, let's read what he says. He says, all Scripture is breathed out by God, God breathed, and profitable, inspired by God, some translations will say, and profitable for teaching, for reproof, for correction, and for training in righteousness, that the man of God may be competent, equip every good work. Now, I want to read the ESV Study Bible note here. It says, all Scripture would refer refer first to the Old Testament, but by implication also to at least some New Testament writings, which by this time were already being considered a scripture, and you can see that in 1 Timothy 5.18, 2 Peter 3.15-16, where Peter talks about the writings of Paul and how some of those writings were difficult to understand. So we, we have here the understanding that all scripture, which would refer to Old Testament primarily, but as time grew on would also uh, would also refer to the New Testament writings as well. So I think Albert Moeller is right in the challenge that he lays down to Andy Stanley because we cannot neglect the scripture. He, he We cannot neglect the scripture at all. And in fact, there's there's some areas I think that Mowers right where he adds some caution, You know, adds some caution to our apologetic that we need to do. And, and we're going to talk about that in a, in a few moments. But while I don't always agree with Russell Moore, I do think that Russell Moore... And what he said to uh, Andy Stanley was correct: in the sense that we must use the Bible not only to evangelize but to disciple. Biblical literacy is at an all-time low, and we're not doing the church any favors if we simply ignore the teaching of Scripture. And I agree with Bob, as my training at Fruitland Bible College, at Liberty, and 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 and, and many other places has shown and dictated that uh, we must be grounded in the Word of God. We must be grounded in the Word of God, okay? So there must be an authority of Scripture placed in in the church service. And I do think there is a problem when the man of God, when standing before the people, does not read Scripture or only leads, reads a small little segment of Scripture. I mean, and that's not to say, I mean, there can be a lot of gems in a small Passage of Scripture. We had homecoming this past Sunday, and and Dennis Shaw, our speaker, he read from one verse and did a fantastic job with that. I'm not saying that one Scripture, one little Scripture, can't do the trick, but a lot of times we twist things out of out of out of uh, um, out of proportion, and a lot of things. And a lot of times we don't place the emphasis where it needs to be placed on the Word of God when teaching and preaching, uh, and in in the in the in the church and uh, and, and, uh, and many other avenues as well. So I think Moeller's right about the authority of Scripture as it relates to and pertains to the Christian's life. I think he's also right about the inspiration of Scripture as it relates to the final revelation of God. And we see that in Titus 1-2, I won't turn there, but it just simply says, Paul says to, to Titus that it's, God does not lie. The writer of Hebrews also says that it's impossible for God to lie. And so there's a bit of logic going on here that God cannot speak falsehood. The Bible is the revelation of God. So if the Bible is the revelation of God, the Bible cannot be false. So it must be something we hold on high grounds. It must be something that we teach from. And and this leads me to the third area that I think Moeller's right. Mohler is absolutely right about the importance that must be placed in teaching from the Word of God. The importance... Uh, on the authority, the importance, on the teaching of the Word of God. Uh, we do have a caller. We'll bring him on here in just a few minutes. Uh, but I do think that he is absolutely right. And I don't think Andy Stanley is uh, like Schliermacher. Sl- but I do think that uh, individuals like Schleiermacher led to other individuals like Rudolf Bultmann. Rudolf Rudolf Bultmann was a German uh, professor or German theologian, liberal theologian, who, tried to, who started the uh, demythologization, demythologizing the Bible, and uh, in, in order to save Christianity, that he uh, sought to demythologize Christianity, take out the miracles. Of course, he is uh, basing that off of uh, uh, an assumption of uh, that David Hume was right in what he says, and if you don't know about David Hume, David Hume thought that it was impossible to demonstrate anything miraculous as actual and factual. Well, obviously, that's, that was wrong. Uh, David Hume has a lot of flaws in his philosophy, and we just don't have time to get into that today. But I do think Moher is right, throwing caution um, or, or speaking caution against demeriting or degrading the emphasis on the Word of God, because we must place a strong emphasis on the Word of God, holding it as the final revelation of God, and, and relating that to the Christian's life. Now, there are also some areas that I think that Andy Stanley's right. I think Andy Stanley is right about the authority of the Christian tradition as it relates to the final apologetic. In the first few decades, uh, and and I I am one who is more traditional, more conservative in the dating of the Gospels. I believe there's good, strong evidence to suggest that that the synoptic Gospels, at least, Matthew, Mark, and Luke, were all written by before 64 A.D., you know, and, and I, so I hold an early writing, but even if you don't hold that, uh, it doesn't really matter. 1 Corinthians chapter 15, and we've talked about this on the program before, is is huge in, in apologetics because there is a um, massive historical claim in 1 Corinthians 15.3 and following. Paul writes, "...for I delivered to you as of first importance that which I also received..." That Christ died for our sins in accordance with the Scriptures, that He was buried, that He was raised on uh, on the third day in accordance with the Scriptures, that He appeared to Cephas, which is Peter, then to the Twelve, then He appeared to more than 500 brothers at one time, most of whom are still alive, though some have fallen asleep. Then He appeared to James, uh, then He appeared to all the Apostles, and last of all, He appeared to me as one untimely born. So Paul places a a strong emphasis on the pre- uh, Christian tradition, or on Christian tradition, the pre-scriptural, pre-New Testament tradition is what I'm trying to say. And so I do think that we have evidence, apologetics, to proclaim the faith. And I think Moore is stepping on dangerous grounds when he tries to remove the emphasis of apologetics. I think he's on dangerous ground as if he tries to promote, and I don't know that he's doing this, but if he were to try to promote a presuppositional type of uh, understanding then there is there will be problems there 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 will be problems there and because we have evidence that we can proclaim that Christ is risen from the dead not only because the bible tells us so but because there is good strong evidence and Muller's wrong you know we we do have evidence even outside the bible that Christ rose from the dead now he's wrong on that aspect He's right about a lot of what he says, but he's wrong on that aspect. And apologetics must take uh, a, a big, um, well, it, it must be an important part of our ministries if we're going to try to reach uh, the, the post-Christian culture, which we'll talk about in a few moments. But Stanley's also right about the primacy of Christ above all else. Now, obviously, the Word of God means a lot, but why does the Word of God mean a lot? Well, it means a lot because Christ, through the Holy Spirit uh, in God the Father, inspired these writings and in uh and that's what makes them holy. that's what makes them unique. that's what makes them inspired. They're not inspired just because someone wrote them down I mean, for, for, you know if that's the case, uh, you know you may as well say that um, that uh, Moby Dick is inspired, you know you know Moby Dick is not inspired. Uh, Peter Pan's not inspired. Huckleberry Finn's not inspired. Why? Because they were not inspired by God. But there is this inspiration of the Holy Spirit that happens with scriptures, and 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 that emphasis comes ultimately due to the primacy of Christ. And I and I think about here in Colossians chapter one, verse fifteen. Speaking of Christ, that he is the image of the invisible God, the firstborn of all creation. For by him all things were created in heaven and on earth, visible and invisible, whether thrones and dominions or rulers or authorities. All things were created through him and for him. He is before all things, and in him all things hold together. He is the head of the body, the church. He is the beginning, the firstborn from the dead, that in everything he might be preeminent. For in him all the fullness of God was pleased to dwell, and through him to reconcile to himself all things, whether on earth or in heaven, making peace by the blood of his, of his cross. So, even using the scriptures, we see that there must be a primacy of Christ above all else. So, Stanley is right about those two aspects, but I think, ultimately, Stanley is right about the need to appeal to evidence to reach the current generation, because we do live in a post-Christian culture. I think moler is right. However, about using the scriptures to to um, to, to use the scriptures because we can use the scriptures in corroboration with the evidence. Okay, in corroboration with the evidence, we can use the scriptures to disciple the next generation, to teach the next generation. Because ultimately, moler Bible is ultimately tells us about the teachings of Christ, about the life of Christ. And it's it's very critical for us. So we must place an emphasis on the Word of God, and we must place an emphasis on apologetics. So my final uh, synopsis is this: I think both Al Mohler and Andy Stanley bring something to the table in this discussion. I think Moeller is right in his strong view of Scripture about the danger in in neglecting the teachings of Scripture, because when we do that. Ultimately, what takes place is we tend to lead we tend to lead towards theological liberalism, which a lot of times results in atheism or even agnosticism, if we're not careful. So I think he's right in placing a strong emphasis, a good strong emphasis, in the Word of God, in the inspiration uh, and and I hold to the infallibility of of God's word and and uh, I know Moeller does as well so I think he's right there I think uh, that there must be an emphasis on the word of god because god's word does not come that void and so we would be we'd be better off to stick with uh, with the and uh, as Randy Kilby used to say you know we we a lot of time would we'll, we, lot of times we want to preach to people's needs but that's assuming that we know what the people need and quite honestly we don't but god does and preaching his word, uh, it will not come back void. But in in defense of Stanley, he is also right in his strong views of apologetics. For too long, we've neglected apologetics. For too long, we have uh, cast a blind eye to the evidence that is out there pertaining to the Scriptures. And there are so many people that are craving that evidence. There are so, people, so many people who want to know, are there reasons... Are there reasons for believing in what the Bible says? And so I think he's right. But I, I think there's a combination here. I think the appropriate response, the appropriate view, consists of a blending of both views. A, a strong stance in Scripture that Moeller provides and a strong stance in apologetics that Stanley provides. I think we must understand that there are two forms of revelation out there. There's natural uh, revelation that God gives us outside of Scripture, uh, and that being uh, the things, the fundamental things that lead us to knowledge of God, and the uh, general revelation that we have, the specific revelation we have, I should say, in the Word of God. So we must place a strong emphasis on the Word of God. We must place a strong emphasis on apologetics. I don't think it's an either-or scenario. I think honestly, and I really believe this, I think it's a both-and scenario. Uh, and I think what has happened, and I, th- I think Moeller is right in, in stressing and placing emphasis uh, on, on the Word of God so that we do not uh, head down the road, head down the path of uh, theological liberalism. But I think Stanley is also right in uh, placing a, 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 an emphasis on apologetics to this next generation. So I don't see why we couldn't have both. That's what this podcast is all about. Uh, that's why I say it, I preface every podcast with the words, taking up the shield of the uh, taking up the sword of theology, teaching and preaching the word of God, teaching the fundamentals of the word of God, and so uh, on the uh, on the flip side of that, taking up the the shield of classic apologetics, uh, which is a defense of our faith. So I honestly think that theology and apologetics, uh, scriptural preaching and teaching, along with apologetics are really two sides of the very same coin with that said we're going to take a brief commercial break we do have a caller, and we'll be back on the other side of this commercial break
0: whether you're up all night or up with the sun whether you're a weekend warrior or an everyday hero whether you hail from home school or old school whether you're hands-free or hands-on, wherever you come from, wherever you're going, and for
1: everything in between, Liberty University is the place for you.
2: The nation's largest private nonprofit online educator.
1: All right, we are in overtime now. Uh, we have a caller on with us, and so we're going to bring on with us the caller with the number 7456. Uh, welcome to the Bellator Christie podcast. Let's see if we can get you on here.
0: Brian? Thank there you, Brother go. Brian. Uh, doing okay today? Is a great show you had today. Well, thank you, sir. I appreciate that. And I'm calling with an update on California Senate Bill 1146. Okay, what you got for us? And, yeah, of course, you know, I uh, keep my eyes on the political aspect of things. And since this is a bill dealing with politics, basically, it's the game politics being played by the uh, liberals out there trying to suppress everybody's religious freedoms that were granted in the Constitution. There is an update on it. As of the 30th of September, the Senate Bill 1146 was approved and signed by the governor of California, but there is a bonus for people out there. It was updated and amended. I'm going to read from uh, Preserve Faith-Based Higher Education. is a Opposed B1146.com update. Senate Bill 1146 has been amended to address the significant concerns of its encroachment on religious liberty in California higher education. Though some concerns remain as to the legality of the certain disclosure requirements in the updated bill. We are pleased that Senate Bill 1146 no longer removes the rights of faith-based institutions to freely exercise their religious mission as we provide under current law. The new amendments also preserve Cal Grant 8 access for students wishing to attend faith-based institutions. Okay, so, that's
1: what I had understood. That's what I had understood uh, on that last uh, an update that I had heard before that there was an uh, you know, there was an amendment to the bill. Uh, so I don't know if uh, that article I read it may not have addressed the amendment or something of that sort. Um, but that's what I was thinking. I had, had heard last,
0: but they did amend it so and did take that provision out and amended it, so we'll just have to wait and see now.
1: Absolutely. Absolutely. Well, brother, I appreciate the update there, and uh, you call back anytime.
0: You too. Have a good evening, now.
1: Thank you, sir. Well, for our friend Shane, this is Brian Chilton, and you've been listening to the Bellator Christie podcast. May God richly bless you, and remember, the truth shall set you free. We'll see you back here next week, folks.